Deion Sanders and the ranked Colorado Buffaloes are heading to Uncle Phil land as they're going to take on the Oregon Ducks. But can they pull off the upset? We're going to talk about that on today's episode of Locked on Buffs. You are Locked on Buffs, your daily podcast on the Colorado Buffaloes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Buffs. I am your host, Kevin Borba, and joining me is Spencer McLaughlin, the host of Locked On Oregon, Locked On Pac-12, and just about everything Locked On over there. Um, this <laughs> episode of Locked On is brought to you by LinkedIn. Um, these days, every new potential hire could feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college Terms and conditions apply. Um, this is Locked On Buffs. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. Your team every single day right here. Um Spencer, looking lively as ever, um, we are talking about the Colorado Oregon game. <laughs> Colorado. Now I am, now I am lively as ever. Now there I'm we in. go. Now we need I'm a little up. boost. Um, Colorado's going into Eugene, it's number nineteen, number ten, and they're twenty-one point underdogs. Um, we've seen this kind of narrative before. Talk to me about what this game means um, for these two teams and the conference um, that will be turning into a European style soccer relegation uh, conference in one year's time well that's a an, an entirely different conversation and a fascinating one at that i talk about it on thursday's episode of locked on pack 12 at length so if you want to hear my thoughts on the relegation model go over there and check it out but as yay for uh, what's quick. that yay or nay real quick yay yay okay, i'm cool. yay i'm definitely yay so for this game you know, Oregon as a 21-point favorite, normally you would look at that game and conventional wisdom would tell you, well, that's not going to be a big spotlight game. Winning doesn't do anything for you. Winning big isn't going to do anything for you. You're supposed to win big. That's what is expected to happen. But as everybody listening to or watching this show knows very well, Dion has bucked traditional mores, norms, rules. Everything that we've known has just kind of gone out the window there. So for Oregon... They are being aided by the Dion effect if they win this game. I don't think it matters by how much they win this football game. In the eyes of the college football world, it is a good win for Oregon to beat Colorado, not just because they're ranked, but because it's Dion and everyone is going to be watching the game live and reacting to it and such. So in that sense, it's an opportunity for the Ducks more than it otherwise might have been if they were a big favorite in this game, as they have been many times throughout the course of this matchup. Like last year's game against Colorado, I think kicked off at a similar time on a similar net. I think it was on ESPN. I think it was on ESPN. Guess what? Oregon was a big favorite. They won big. It didn't do anything for them. Nobody cared. Nobody paid attention. Now, if they were to turn on and win big, their perception, I think, would increase greatly because, hey, Coach Prime's over there. We know that Colorado is good and they're number 19 and Oregon, you know, beat them by 25 points. Now, is it going to be easy to do that? No. Is it possible? I do think that it is for for the Ducks. They have to play well. Uh, I think no Travis Hunter is a pretty significant loss for Colorado's defense because when you have a corner that can take away half the field, you know, Oregon had it in uh, Colorado's one-time player, Christian Gonzalez, a year ago. It helps a struggling defense tremendously. And when he's not on the field, you you tend to notice. So I, I think the big picture is for Oregon that uh, a win is not just a win or it's not, oh, ho-hum, they won the game. You're going to have a lot of eyeballs, a lot of hype, a lot of attention. We've also seen Colorado win in this spot before. So even though they come in as a big underdog, 
that narrative, again, I think favors the Ducks if they're able to pull out the win here, which I certainly hope they're able to do, and I believe they are going to be able to do. And on the Colorado side of things, it's business as usual. I mean, you got people writing them off. You got people saying they're going to win the national championship every single week. It feels, you know, you got both ends of the spectrum, I think, pretty well covered in that sense. And this is a major opportunity. I think an even better one than TCU because, yeah, preseason rankings, they matter and they help you make early season statements as Colorado did. And they've been ranked ever since as they should be. But if you go to Oregon with the way the Ducks have looked through the first three games, just okay against Texas Tech, dominant against two inferior opponents, and the expectations that the Ducks have going into this season, that's a bigger win than beating TCU because I think you're going to have more eyeballs. You're going to have a bigger stage. I think you have a tougher opponent as well. So um, plenty on the line for, for both teams, and that's why everyone's going to be tuning in because you know everybody likes to watch Dion win or lose. Yeah, and I think to talk about the viewership, I think this game will probably rack up especially since it's midday um, it's probably going to get anywhere from 10 to 12 million 12 million viewers um, which will shatter some kind of record I, I imagine um, but the thing that I'm interested about and I know you kind of touched on it a, l- a little already is you guys Oregon not you I'm sure you would do okay against the tortillas in Texas Tech um, they looked eh like there was good moments and then there was moments where Texas Tech would drive down the field and kind of expose their defense and so for me, um, as someone who watches Colorado so closely, I'm like, Colorado's offense can put up points. Um, can their defense get enough interceptions to or turnovers wherever they come from? Maybe it's a, a blocked punt or maybe it's a, a fumbled kick or whatever it may be. Like it, All it takes is one turnover, one big play for Colorado to kind of get in this. Um, and I think a lot of people are doubting Colorado still because it's like, okay, and I, I knew this was going to happen. We talked about it on and off camera. As soon as Colorado started winning, there was automatically reasons to why. It was TCU, oh, prior to the season, they were like, oh, TCU, they're going to be so good. They just made it to the national championship. Then they lost. And then everybody was like, well, it wasn't the same team. It wasn't the same TCU team. And then Nebraska, oh, Nebraska's going to beat them. They have a really good defense. And then it was like, well, their defense played okay, but their offense was bad. So there's always been reasons. Um, And I think we're kind of getting to a point where if they beat Oregon, there's going to be no reasons where it's like, well, Oregon's just not – because Oregon's a good team. Um, Oregon is a team that has playoff aspirations. Um, They have Pac-12 title aspirations. And I think this is a good litmus test of where Colorado Colorado is. And I think they realistically could get into a shootout-style game, and I think they could be victorious because at the end of the day – I trust Shadur Sanders. Um, he's probably going to be a top five pick, um, whether it's in this draft or the next, because I don't know if you saw, but Papa Prime does not want him to go to the, the NFL this next year. So, which there was a good reason, um, I think. Um, he said he'd rather his son go one rather than be like quarterback three or four behind Caleb Williams, Drake May. And um, because next year's class is, I don't I even think know. that is flawed thinking on Coach Prime's part. I mean, he's money is money. He's going to be a first round pick regardless, probably. Um, so, would you rather be a first, the first overall pick? I don't know. Um, but then again, if he's QB four, maybe he goes to a better situation. I don't know. It's a, it's a whole thing. But yeah, that that's where I'm. That's where I would be at in that particular conversation. Is would you rather have been, um, oh, I don't know, Mitch Trubisky drafted number two overall by the Bears, or would you rather have been Mahomes taken number twelve by the Chiefs? I mean, I, I, I would, I would rather go with the chiefs. I said, <laughs> it's not I particularly said, close just as I, an example. Right. I talked about it two days in a row. And I, Cause at first I talked about the initial video and I was like, you know what? 
was like, he probably just wants to coach his sons one more time because realistically, this is going to be the last time um, that they're all going to be in the same area. That could um, be, yeah. And then also he talked about with Taylor Rooks yesterday and he's like, you know what? I want him to go one or he wants to go one, whatever. And I was like, that makes sense too. And I was like, but I don't know that it does though. I mean, if you want to be the first overall pick, you want to be the first well, overall pick. But like, okay. It's not going to happen this year. Caleb Williams has. Baker probably- Mayfield was the first overall pick. Right. Like, like, and? He got that big money, got that number one pick status. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just don't, I, I don't agree with that particular way of thinking. I understand, you know, Coach Prime is a, is a very media savvy guy and saying, you know, my kid was a number one pick in the NFL draft. And Shador being able to say a number one pick in the NFL draft, sure, it creates leverage and, you know, media opportunities. But here's the other thing. Shador and Prime at Colorado, at Colorado, which was a dormant, college football program for what 20 years is that the timeline 15 20 years it's it's been a minute they're all over commercials that i see prime himself is everywhere shador's in one of them as well i think it's with kfc i don't think that the brand valuation if that's what he's thinking with the number one overall pick i don't think the brand valuation is a problem for the Sanders family right, <laughs> right now. They're, they're like kind of the biggest story in college football. I, I just don't see them needing to have, you know, the extra, like, I, 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 I think Shador can be a really good NFL quarterback. I don't think he's going to struggle for money in his life or endorsement opportunities. He's, he's already got him at, yeah. at a college program that has not done anything in the last 15 to 20 years of note, other than appearing in the Pac-12 championship game. And, I I I I think that when you yeah, go to the NFL, someone's going to say, "Hey, would you like to sponsor our product?" Yeah, I, I think it's a combination. <laughs> you know, I think it, I think there's a little status to the number one pick thing. It's like something you could say you did, um, and then I also think it's more so. There's three reasons: number one pick, cool father son relationship that they'll probably never have as close as they do now. I imagine they all live fairly close, or they hang out every single day. He coaches them, and then three. If Shadur comes back next year, they'll probably run the Big Twelve because the Big Twelve is pitiful. Um, like it, it is. Well, Utah's in Utah's going to be in the Big Twelve. Utah's losing Cam Rising, so they're starting over. It, like we don't know what their situation is going to be. Like obviously, I they mean have- that's true. I'm not. I'm not denying the bus would be good, but ru- run the Big Twelve is a little aggressive. They'll they'll be top three at least, at minimum in the Big Twelve. I would think so. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would think so- top three or if depending on what they do in the trenches in the off season. Yeah, yeah they, I, I don't see how they aren't, even without that, I don't see how they aren't at least top four in the Big 12. Yeah, so the, that's also another thing. Maybe they can make a push because the playoff is going to be different, and we all know what where college football is headed. And so they got a lot of opportunities there, so that could be another reason. Either way, we know Shadur Sanders is going to help lead Colorado to all the success they have, and I think that could happen this weekend when they play Oregon um, because it's going to be a battle of two quarterbacks. Um, I think both of these defenses, while Oregon's defense is – ranked really well in just about every category um and it's not their fault it's hard to to read into their defense um because they held portland state to seven and they held hawaii to ten which i mean good on them that's the opponents they were scheduled to play um but we're gonna find out this week because i would imagine that this is the best offense they've faced um by a mile when we come back we are going to be talking about um the players to watch who's who's new who's not new who's back who's not back um of course over here on Locked on Bus. But first, a word from our sponsors over at, say it with me, Spencer. Say it with me, LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn. <laughs> there we go. The Look homies. That. 
Um, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I always talk about this. My first job, I'm coming out of grad school as a young buck looking to get into the workforce. And Don't you I- mean young buff? <laughs> I'm looking on LinkedIn and I find a, a job at the Pac-12 Networks. And I'm like, this is perfect for me. I reach out to them. We have some conversations. I learn what they want. They learn what I'm qualified to do, and I get hired. Um, if you want to find the perfect candidate like myself, um, add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdown college that's linkedin.com slash lockdown college to post your job for free um go find that perfect candidate this episode is also brought to you by doordash Uh, we got a new sponsor up in here i like it um if you're missing the syrup for your pancakes or you just ran out of your favorite coffee creamer with doordash grocery deliver you could get what you want right when you need it um if you love the convenience of bringing things right to your door with doordash grocery delivery you could stock up for the week um, order last minute cravings conveniently um, I myself have relied on DoorDash. Maybe I'm working a little too hard. I'm writing too much. I'm podcasting too much and I need some lunch and DoorDash comes in clutch. They're like, you know what? Here's your lunch, Chipotle, whatever it may be. Um, so with easy substitutions, right in the app and best in-class customer support, DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. They deliver everything exactly how you want it. So if you want to get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value, when you use code locked on college, go ahead um, at checkout, use code locked on college for a limited time offer terms apply. That's 50% off up to $20 off no minimum subtotal and zero delivery fees on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app in the app store and enter code locked on college. Don't forget that's code locked on college for 50% off your for your first order with our good friends over at DoorDash. Okay, we are back and we're talking about players to watch. Um, there's a lot of them. Um, let's just get this one out of the way. Travis Hunter, not going to play. Um, he will probably be on the sidelines, maybe in a draft onesie. I don't know. Um, he has, I've seen him so far. I don't know how many episodes he's done. I think it's only been two. But first one, it was a Lilo or I guess a Stitch uh, onesie. Um, last week, he was talking about the seriousness of his injury in a draft onesie. Um, I appreciate his kind of like his fun. Like he likes to have fun, and I appreciate that. Um, but there's a player on the Colorado Buffalo roster that is making his debut, Alton McCaskill, the running back, who it's crazy to say this could kind of change the dynamic of this Colorado offense. Um, they haven't gotten much from the run game. Um, people get on me because I, t- I read the stats and they're like, the stats are misleading. I'm like, okay, we'll pretend that Colorado's run game stats is- are wrong. Stats are li- stats lie. Stats well, lie. They can be, they can be misleading, I guess, but in this case, they are not um, because that run game has not really helped Shadur. I won't say Dylan Edwards, the running back hasn't helped Shadur because he could catch and run mm-hmm. probably one of the fastest players out there, but um, they have not had the ability to turn around, hand the ball off, get five to seven yards per run, and then be like, oh, now we have a second and three rather than, okay, we got to throw the ball again. Um, so that's going to help Colorado. Um, the corner situation, very iffy. Obviously, Travis Hunter's hurt. Um, they have Carter Stottmeyer who banged up. Cormani McLean. Um, I don't know if I talked about this yesterday, but I should have. Five-star corner. He was supposed to be – it was supposed to be Travis and Cormani. Um, sounds like a great like TV show, like a buddy cop show. 
Um, that buddy cop show will not be happening because Cormani is not ready to play. Um, Coach Prime said he's not ready. And the biggest thing holding him back himself. Um, you hate to see it. Uh, maybe he's just got to adjust to the college level. It's not ready yet. Spencer, talk to me or ask me when you're done talking about Oregon players. Um, talk to me about someone Oregon has that Colorado fans need to know about. Yeah, well, Troy Franklin is the number one receiving target for for Bo Nix, but don't sleep on Tez Johnson either, who is Bo Nix's uh, adopted brother. And those two guys, after Tez transferred in from Troy this offseason, he was the second highest graded receiver on PFF in 2022. And he has looked every bit the part through three weeks uh, so far. He had uh, a touchdown against Texas Tech where he, he ran just a simple drag. It was just your classic, you know, mesh wheel um, uh, a combination. And he just burns his guy so bad that Bo Nix dumps it to him and he takes it 13 yards for the score on third and goal from the 13-yard line. He, he is a dynamic playmaker. He is a fluid, explosive athlete that you don't see very often. And he and Troy Franklin, they're not going to bowl you over. They're not a big physical presence like Treshawn Holden, another wide receiver, but they are fast, they are skilled, and they are excellent route runners, both of them. And I, and I think that's what really sets them apart. Those are your top two uh, receiving targets in my view. And then Treshawn Holden and Gary Bryant Jr., kind of the next two on, on that list. And then the tight ends, Terrence Ferguson and Patrick Herbert, they've been involved in the offense as well. Oregon also Herbert. throws it. Yes. Oh, yes, there is it. Yes, he is indeed the younger brother of one Justin Herbert. He he also, by the way, in that game against Texas Tech, threw to Terrence Ferguson a two-point conversion. Next quarterback in the family. Was it a good throw? Uh, it was a good throw. He was actually getting hit. Like a, a guy basically had him wrapped up and was driving him backwards, and he puts the ball up above his head, chucks it to the corner, it was on that swinging gate play, which is something to watch for tomorrow. I fully expect Oregon to at least line up with that uh, in, in some form or fashion, which I'm a fan of. It's something that Chip Kelly did back in the day, and I always loved it because when Oregon had the right read, if they had the numbers advantage and they went for it and you know actually ran a play, I, I'd say their success rate was probably over 80%. Um, now, a lot of the times as well, they'd line up, they look at their numbers, they'd say, nope, no advantage, and we kick the extra point. Um, but they did that against Texas Tech. I expect them to do that again. Just something to watch for kind of early in the game. It's usually a first quarter thing uh, that, that, that teams do. But trickery. Yeah, but it played a factor against the Red Raiders because we went for two, got it. We were up 15 to seven. And then we went and allowed a touchdown because of a penalty that kept a drive alive on third and 18. And Texas Tech goes down, scores a touchdown. They go for two. They don't get it. And suddenly you're up 15-13 rather than being tied at 14 apiece. So uh, it can just come into play uh, in, in little moments like that. So um, th those are your top receiving targets, though, Franklin and, and Johnson. And then I, I like both the tight ends as well. They've both uh, played well this season and had really, really good moments. Uh, the running backs, you're going to see all three. You will see Bucky Irving. You'll see Noah Whittington. You'll see Jordan James. And they are different runners, and they are all effective in what they do. Irving is the shiftiest. Whittington, I think, has uh, kind of the best lateral movement and, and breakaway speed. And Jordan James is, is a downhill physical runner. He's a short yardage guy who can do a lot more than that. And he's showing that he can do more than that this season. So uh, the weapons for Bo Nix are um, abundant. They are deep and they are talented. And they have been all involved every single week. Like if you go look at the box scores, the number of players who catch and passes, it's between 8 and 11 every week this is not 
a two or three deep receiving court. Like the ball is being spread around. Bo Nix is not locking onto one guy and saying, I'm going here no matter what. And if he's not there, I'm taking off and running, which he can, of course, do. He is spreading the ball around and making the right reads, and he's looked really, really good, including against Texas Tech. By the way, when he went for over, I think it was 340 yards, uh, a couple touchdowns and no picks. And Oregon was down two possessions in the second half, and we came back on the right arm of Bo Nix. We did not run the football effectively, and Bo Nix was able to lead us back in in that one. So um, I've liked what I've seen a lot from the Oregon offense, and those are the skilled position players to watch. Okay, um, I feel like I need to add a couple for Colorado because obviously we've seen Xavier Weaver step up. Um, Jimmy Horn Jr., they're like one and three in the nation in yards or yards, um, catches. Um, Xavier Weaver leads the team in yards. I think he's Shadur's favorite target. Um, I think Jimmy Horn is also an elite target. And I think wide receiver wise, they're going to be great. Um, you got to look at Michael Harrison, the walk on tight end who has emerged as a star. He was, dude, did an interview with like 60 minutes or something with Coach Prime because they were like, Mikey what what was this or like it was like Fox whatever in Colorado and like they were like Mikey like welcome to the show and so big body tight end he's like six seven six eight maybe like Shadur likes a big target and he's just finding him over the middle um defensively all my bus fans they know about him um he's a late addition Jawan Mitchell um the Tennessee slash Texas slash Arizona State transfer um he has been a revelation they're um, calling him the JT Daniels of wide receivers <laughs> linebacker linebacker <laughs> but yeah Sorry, my bad <laughs> no you're good he he's been a revelation on the run defense like he i think it's when you look at colorado's stats it's misleading it's like how could they have a revelation on run defense when they give up insert how many yards but he's t- making a lot of plays um, he had a tackle for a loss had a quarterback hit um someone to look out for and then you go to the secondary look out for young mr trevor woods um the safety is always in the right spot spencer i wanted to get your thoughts before we moved on on this isn't a player, but something that these players do, and that's commit penalties. Um, I was looking at where both these teams rank, and to my shock, they are both ranked 117th in the country um, with penalties with 25. So they average a little over eight penalties per game each, 8.33 exactly. Um, is this going to be a, a little penalty of fair like are we're just gonna flag on the play flag on the play are the rest gonna be looking like a prime kobe dropping 81 flags (laughs) i mean it's definitely the biggest area of growth for oregon's defense that is needed and you know you can look at that texas tech game and say wow they gave up 30 points to the red raiders and i don't know how good texas tech is i think instead of being a nine or ten win team i think texas tech is probably a seven or eight win team in in 2023 but Oregon, make no mistake about it, played that game incredibly sloppy. It was a sloppy, sloppy football game. They had procedural penalties along the offensive line. They had a holding penalty, uh, almost cost them a, a touchdown. But Tez Johnson, as I said, saved it on third and goal from uh, the 13. And then the defensive penalties is where things were were really, really bad. They had, I think, three pass interference penalties, Um one late hit, which was a bad call, but still that's 60 yards of penalties on defense allowed. And I, I, in the ducks in that game against Texas tech, it's honestly a testament to how well they played that they only allowed 30 points because guess how many penalty yards they had in that game, Kevin, if I said they have a lot of penalty yards, how many do you think they had? Tell me, tell me 124. They had more penalty yards than rushing yards. That's not a sustainable formula. And if you do that 
against this Buffs team, if you give Shador Sanders opportunities to keep drives alive because of a pass interference on third down, or it's second and 12, they're behind the chains, and you commit you know, illegal contact, holding whatever, and you let him move it, we know that Shador Sanders is going to move the ball down the field. So yeah. it's a great test for this Oregon secondary going against guys like Jimmy Horn and Xavier Weaver. No Travis Hunter helps, but still, it's not like Travis Hunter's been catching all the passes this year. He's He's caught a good chunk of them, but he's not catching all of them, right? This, this offense, from what I've seen, runs through Shador, and that's why it's such a big test for the Oregon defense, but they have to clean up the penalties. I, I mean, if they if they just cut their penalty yardage, I think down to 70 yards in that game, which is still not a good penalty game, by the way. Yeah. Like, if they had six penalties for 70 yards, yeah, that wouldn't have been very good. They had, I think it was 10 for 124 or something in that range. If they'd cut it down to 70 yards, Texas Tech scores, I think at least seven fewer points, maybe less, because they were moving the football sometimes because Oregon was just giving them free yards or giving them yards with a penalty on a kickoff or something. So I I, I think that's a big thing to watch in this game is if Oregon cleans up the penalty yards, which is all on Oregon, it wasn't like Texas Tech was doing anything necessarily. It was just sloppy play from, from, from guys. If they clean that up, I think this defense has a lot of potential. Their front seven has been, in my view, very good each of the first three weeks. They had pressure on Tyler Shuck. They forced four turnovers in that game. Pressure was a part of it. Pressure is what uh, ultimately clinched the game against the Red Raiders with a pick six. Got pressure up the middle, hit Tyler Shuck's arm. Jeffrey Boss a pick six. That wasn't... needs to step up then. Absolutely. Because I... Yeah, the Oregon defensive front has been physical. They are deep. And they are versatile as well. You can see Brandon Dorless line up at edge. You can see Brandon Dorless line up on the inside. Same thing with Jordan Birch. They have a lot of different packages. A lot of different guys have played. I'm curious to see if the rotations tighten up at all when you know you have a competitive game like this against the Buffs. It didn't against Texas Tech. I do wonder if you know some true freshmen or guys who are just not you know big time players for this Oregon defense played more because they. Uh, because they were in Texas and it was, you know, 100 something degrees and they're trying to keep guys as fresh as they can. But Jordan Birch, Brandon Dorless, Mateo Uyungle, Casey Rogers, Taki Taimani, and, and other guys, they have played really well this year, both stopping the run and defending the pass or getting after the quarterback, that is. And, and Colorado's offensive line definitely has a challenge in front of them. Yeah, I think the one thing Colorado has working for them when it comes to all the depth on the Oregon defense line is how fast they go. Um, they're going to prevent yes. subs. And then I wanted to make a point about the penalties because I honestly didn't realize it was this bad for Colorado, but they had nine for 80 yards against Nebraska. And then against Colorado State, it got overshadowed by Spencer. Let me tell you, um, Colorado State had 17 for 182 yards, um, which <laughs> that was not oh, ideal. Man. And Colorado had 10 for 87, which is still not great. But when the other team has seven more penalties for 100 more yards, that kind of gets talked about more. But yeah, there's a lot of things to look out for penalty wise. And um, we're going to give our keys to the game and who we think is going to win right after I tell you about our sponsor over at FanDuel. Um, NFL season is here. It is coming. It is here. It's not, it's no longer coming. It's here. Snap into the NFL action. Um, this season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Cause right now new customers get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. When you place a $5 bet, that's $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. You can use it on the spread, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is the official partner of the NFL.
Okay, Spencer. Um, we're wrapping it up here. We I need we'll go two keys. Um, I'm sure we kind of talked about a little bit a little bit. So just kind of wrap it up for me. Two keys for Oregon to win this game. Protect the football is the biggest key offensively because I look at Colorado's defense so far, and I know you do as well. And this will get people all hot and bothered when we bring facts and information to the discussion. But such is the way life must proceed. Colorado is 122nd in the country in yards allowed this year at 460 per game. And this is an Oregon offense that played a good Texas Tech defense and put up over 30 points uh, offensively on the road. They had a pick six to get them to 38 at the end. We'll and talk against, about the good. Talk about the good. What, what is, where is the, the good ranking for Colorado? <laughs> if, if In a yards per game standpoint, if their defense improves and, by the end of the year. And def- No, I'm saying like, I need the defensive stat right now where it's like, this is the silver lining for Colorado's defense and go. Five no. yards a carry. I, th- no, I think no, no, five no. yards. <laughs> the, turnover, <laughs> the turnovers. <laughs> well, uh, turnovers was my offensive key, but the five yards to carry thing is, is an interesting kind of you know sub story to watch because Oregon against Texas Tech did not run the football effectively. Now their offensive line and pass protection has been outstanding. Bo Nix has been sacked once in uh, three games this year and hasn't, generally speaking, been under any sort of duress. That includes against Texas Tech. He had a lot of clean pockets, uh, and, and the Red Raiders I think are a solid defensive team. But the Ducks against the Red Raiders, which is the only like true barometer for the Ducks we have in 2023, they did not run the football effectively. We had a second down and one in Texas Tech inside Texas Tech's 20-yard line, three straight runs, stuffed all three times. It was really, really bad. And they averaged three and a half yards a carry. They had 113 rushing yards, 124 penalty yards. That ratio has got to flip in a big way for the Ducks. So you have a team that hasn't run the ball how they would like to against a power five team so far against a team that hasn't been able to stop the run very effectively in Colorado. One of those things has to give you would figure I lean towards Oregon's offense because I know that they ran the football effectively last year. And they are also uh, a team that's got a bunch of really, really good running backs. But if Oregon can't get any leverage in the run game and it's all on Bo Nix, I think that's playing more to Colorado's strengths on, on the defensive side of the ball. Let guys like Shiloh Sanders go out there and try and make some plays. And then the penalty yardage on defense. I, I think that's key number two is, you know, don't give Colorado chances by turning the ball over offensively and don't give them chances by handing them first downs. Make them earn it. And yeah, Shador Sanders can earn it and he will score points in this football game with that Colorado offense. But you got to make him do that. <laughs> he doesn't need help. <laughs> no, he does not need any help. We know that because he's such a talented guy and has been playing at such a high level. I've only seen one throw I, actually, no, that's not true. I've seen zero throws from Shadur Sanders this year. I haven't watched every snap, but I've only I, I've seen zero throws that I've thought afterwards, wow, that was a dangerous throw and a bad decision. Sure. The only interception that I you know, kind of kept getting crossed up in my mind right there hit his receiver on the hands. The Colorado State DB made a play. Now, it was kind of thrown into double coverage. Okay, but he still put the ball on his receiver's hands. Yeah, it was like a like like you got to be able to at least make that an incompletion, if not haul it in. So that's what impresses me about him is, you know, Oregon's defense forced four turnovers against Tyler Shuck. That was on the road, which was impressive. But Shador Sanders is better than Tyler Shuck. So I'm not expecting there to be more than one turnover available for the Oregon defense in this game. They have to be able to just get off the field. And that's going to be, I think, the biggest chess match that'll that'll decide Colorado's success offensively. Yeah, and I think here are my 
couple keys to the game. Offensively, you got to score. You have to answer every Oregon score, and you maybe have to uh, say Colorado starts with the ball. You got to put up points first. I think they've been deferring, actually. I think they're a defer team. They don't like to start with the ball. I'm a defer kind of guy. I like to just put it on them first. Mm, No, I'm a defer kind of guy. Pedal to the metal. All gas, no brakes, as one Mr. Steve Sarkeesian (laughs) says. Um, But realistically, I'm going to put up a graphic real quick. Um, Colorado has a chance to hit this over um, over on on tomorrow, um, on Saturday. Um, So they have a chance to surpass Oregon. And what they need to do, obviously, they need to match them score for score. And defensively, this is easier said than done. I'm not saying this is like a foolproof plan. Never said it was. Um, but they need to force at least a, or a turnover or two. Um, they've kind of been living and dying by the turnover on defense. I think it. De- I think it's probably two. I think it also depends on the type of turnover because if it's mm, third right. and eight at midfield and Bonix takes a shot to the end zone, it's picked off at the five yard line. That's basically a punt, which is great. That's a stop, but that's not the same as first and goal at the seven. Bonix looks right and Travis Hunter comes off a man on a wheel route to make a diving interception that keeps seven points off the board. Yeah, or at true. least three. Like That's I true. think the type of the type of yeah. turnover matters there. That's a good point. Uh, they need. A, we'll go clutch turnovers. Two clutch turnovers. Two clutch turnovers. Okay, um, and then I think they need to keep that mindset that it's personal. Um, I don't know if Dan Lanning really made it personal, but Colorado made sure it was made personal. And I like that us versus you mentality. It's us versus the world mentality um, because I think it's fueling them. Um, not that they need more fuel, but um, yeah. They, they got that little motivation. Okay, Spencer, before we go, I need a score prediction. Um, and what color cleat are you most excited to see Oregon's cleats turn into? Because they do have color-changing cleats. They do. I don't know how that works, but I, I remember my old baseball cleats. They are, I think they were Nike cleats. You could take out the little Nike logo and swap in different colors if you wanted. That's the closest thing to color-changing shoes I've ever had. Okay. Um, I, I'm most excited to just see any kind of color change on the cleats and whether or not it shows on TV. I suspect it won't. Um, but I am excited for this uniform matchup because I believe the buffs are going all white stormtrooper, right? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Oregon is going black, apple green, black. Mm. It's so saucy. Like this is a, this is going to be a fantastic uniform matchup. It's going to be thoroughly. Who wins this uniform matchup though, in terms of points, Oregon, 48, 27. 48-27. 48-27. Okay, see, we are going to go Colorado 42-37. Um, this is me assuming Shadur is dealing. Um, defense gets a stop or two, a clutch stop or two, like we mentioned. Um, and the ride goes on. You know, I think Colorado's been on this wave of success, and it's it's weird to say that they've, like, they've like beat some teams, but I think this would by far be their biggest win. It's top 10 team on the road. Oregon doesn't lose on or, um, at home very often, so this would be a monumental win. Um, for Coach Prime, um, you guys could find me over here on Locked on Bus at Kevin underscore Borba. He's over there on social media at Smalls underscore 55. And I will be live streaming right after the game. Um, so you could find me right here on Locked on Bus on YouTube. I will be live, stream- live streaming, excuse me, talking about the win, the loss, whatever happens, I will be talking about it. I'm sure Spencer will be doing the same over on Locked on Ducks. So if you want a perspective from a quack, go get that perspective over there. But Spencer- not the quack doctor kind, you know? 
not the, uh, not that kind of guy. Debatable. Um, if, <laughs> if you want either of those experiences, make sure to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media. We just hit well over, I think we're at 3,300 subs on YouTube. So I appreciate you guys' support. Um, Spencer's over there thriving on Locked on Oregon, Locked on Pac-12 as well. So you guys have a great Friday. College football tomorrow. Let's get excited. Um, and maybe the Buffs win, and we're talking about that after the game. Um, we'll see you guys tomorrow.